one woman learns the secret her mother has spent a lifetime hiding. She vows to remain silent, but when her mother dies, she must decide, will she pass on her mother's lie or will she expose her family to the world? The woman's name, Gail Lukasik. The book, White Like Her. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get lit. <laughs> Hi, readers. This is Kari. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about books and drama. Alexis, how you doing this week, girl? Ooh, Tell me about that. yourself, beautiful one. I don't have nothing to say. Okay. This week has been stressful. <laughs> oh, has it's it? It's my busy season oh, and it's okay, just okay. about to get rough. Okay. So I got my head in the uh, computer every day. Is it easier now that you're working from home? No, that's a silly question. Well, <laughs> silly, silly question. Well, it's no secret we're, we're launching a booktube um, channel next week. That's right. We call it the YouTube with the cheerings. Well, oh boy. Um, I've been prepping for that and that's been fun. That's taken up a lot of time, but we're really excited about it. Um, I also got to uh, quarantine a bit in the desert. Out west. Oh, cool. Well, that I didn't know nice. that, but I, you know, that's. <laughs> yeah, you knew because you was. It's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's the beauty of it all, right? I always think um, seeing the beautiful mountains and desert like yeah. stuff is fun. So. Yeah, I love the um, <laughs> Antelope Canyon area, Sedona, uh, Grand Canyon, all of that. It's just. Great for relax. Don't I sound relaxed? I feel relaxed. Let me uh <clears throat> wind it up a little bit. I feel very chill and calm. But we ain't and, about and let that me just this say, week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been less tense in my life since you've been on vacation. Wow. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and now it's time for Society Says, the part of the show where we share y'all's comments, readers, with the rest of our Lit Society. Alexis, what did you find that you like to share with the class? Yeah, I do. I found one on Instagram. <laughs> okay, okay. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> and this is from Louisa Alvarez with an X, okay? Mm-hmm. And Louisa said, I love this podcast. I listen to it every morning on the train. Well, thank you oh, for I listening, Louisa. Yeah, thank you, Louisa, for making us like a part of your daily routine. I love that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That was a really exciting comment we received. How about you? What do you have to share with us well, from I'm, our readers? I'm, of course, heading over to Apple Podcasts. And I hope I haven't shared this one before. I really love it. It's from Nerd Chick 12 And her comment reads, awesome show and hosts. This, our show, combines my two favorite things, reading and podcasts. Also, it feels like I'm sitting with a girlfriend and we're just talking about books we've read. The hosts are entertaining, knowledgeable, and and hilarious. I know. Sure, you are very kind we, with that compliment. We're really okay. smartest. <laughs> we're not. Everything <laughs> is conversational and flows so easy. Love all the episodes so far and I cannot wait for more. This was recommended to me by a super close friend who moved away. And now this show is one of the things we discuss regularly. Please keep the episodes coming. Love, love, love. Thank you, Nerd Chick 12. Oh, wow. Man. Thank you. Thank you. Just to know, like, you and your friend are staying in touch through our show. That's special. We, Oh, we love that. Give me goosebumps. Love it, girl. The Thank connections. you. connections. Yes. Yeah, make us feel so good. So remember, you guys, if you have a comment you'd like to share with the rest of the List Society, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and 
And we especially love this one. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you love the show. And perhaps we'll share it on the show. Tell us why you love us. Yeah, tell us, let us know. Well, moving on. This week, the theme. Every week, as you know, we choose a theme to discuss based on the book we're reading. And this week, the theme is ancestry and why we care so much about where we came from. Alexis, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think so many people find the need to explore their ancestry? Especially like Uh, in the last few years, um, different genealogy sites have become very popular. Why is that? Do you think? um, You got the answers. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) People want to know where they're from. Um, There's a large piece of the population that are just disconnected with their past. So they want to know where they're from and what they're made of. That's yeah, what but, I think. Yeah. So, but we're all made of the same stuff. <laughs> how does knowing where we come from edify us? What, how does it make us different? What does it teach us? <sighs> I'm if thinking anything. about my grandmother. She always said that past didn't matter. So, <laughs> So like, so she wouldn't really share. She never really shared her past. So it did matter. And, and I feel like that make, made me want to know more. Um, especially, and then I only had one grandmother growing up Mm -hmm. and, you know, usually have four grandparents. I only had one, they had all passed away. And so I was just, I just wanted to be, I wanted to know, I wanted to be connected to that piece of my life that she wouldn't share. I can um, commiserate with that. Is that the word? You like to use it. I don't know. I'm just posing. <laughs> anyway, I can completely understand where you're coming from. Um, we did an episode, uh, Black Heart, a book we featured, Black Heart, and we talked about um, our specific history as Black Americans and how yep. Black American people, now a lot of people can be Black, but Black American people, those descendant from slaves um, in the States, mostly slaves in the States, um, our past was erased. So there's, there's this um, romantic, romanticization. Is that a word? It can be easy to romanticize where we come from yeah. and what that means. Um, I know for me, I'm like uh, in a healthy way, but very proud to have been a descendant of people who had everything put on them. And who still survived despite all odds, who made it past um, the passage, who made it through um, slavery, Jim Crow. And I am here today as evidence that um, tenacity can be undying. You know what I mean? Like the the resilient, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how resilient those people were. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what if I went through my history and found out I was like 30 percent Irish or 30 percent now? Looking at me, obviously, I'm not a pure nothing, but in my heart, <laughs> I totally am. <laughs> so we'll get into this later. Let's not uh, take with the that in, chose. okay? <laughs> but mm-hmm. I would be shocked and dumbfounded to know that anyone in my family was not of African descent. Blown away, oh, knocked me you? over with a feather. So okay, the point is, wow. <laughs> we can attach real meaning to data uh, that really just tells us simply where we came from. Or maybe yeah. we want our family tree to grow stronger so we can build these connections, these real life connections today. 
So if I could just say, I don't. Did you have another question for me? Because I want to answer. I one. got a few, but I'll ask them as we continue. Ooh. I love putting then you on you the spot. You just go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I'll share my thoughts later. Please share your thought. I, I was gonna tell. So I didn't grow up knowing a lot of my family. I knew my grandmother. Yeah. I knew um, one aunt on my father's side. He has one sister. I knew her mm-hmm. and his brother, but I didn't really know them. And so I didn't really know my father's side of the family. I knew my grandmother and her children on my mom's side. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, the other one's like a great grandmother um, and a great aunt. So your family circle is intimate. Yes, it was very intimate. And so um, my father reached out to me not too long. Well, a couple of years ago, he was like, I want you to meet my cousin. Like my family felt strongly that if it's your children, you need to make sure you introduce your children to the family. So, <laughs> And it's not my responsibility. It's to not intru- my responsibility. Yeah. So if it was it's my aunt, it wasn't her responsibility. It was my father. So my father wasn't around to do that. So my um, so I, we didn't meet our family like that. Yeah. So. I had an opportunity to meet this uh, this cousin of his and she then invited us to a family reunion. Yeah. And man, she sent me this packet of information and it had all my grandfather's brothers and sisters oh on my there. Goodness. That felt so special to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wanted to go, but I think something happened that year that I didn't get to make it. But it just felt so I felt so connected. And when I went to meet her, she lives here in the Chicago area. Oh, wow. and I sat with her. Um, I was just like really proud to have family. Yeah. It just felt really good. Yeah. Well, family is I a gift. Connected. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when looking into your family's past um, readers, it can be helpful and see Alexis has more experience with this I've always had an interest in knowing um in in writing down my family tree documenting it and even reaching out to cousins um there's always that fear too like what if I don't like you and now you know we family Uh, cause you know, bills do every month, but new family only come around every once in a while. You might start calling me. Then we got a problem. <laughs> I might call you, you know, hey, so, right. um, but so when we're looking for, to, um, look into our, when we're interested in looking into our family's past, it's helpful to be clear about what we want from this experience. Are we interested in finding maybe the country where the countries where some of our, uh, relatives have originated from? Or are we looking for family we can connect to connect with today, right now? Did you meet any cousins, new cousins through your family, um, your father's family? Yeah, yeah. So that was my father's first cousin. Did any of them look like you? Did you feel like? No, I didn't. I didn't. (laughs) I didn't. Um, But I, I met her children and her grandchildren I met. That is so cool. It was just really cool to meet these people. Of course, I met her husband as well. Wow. And and they talked about family. And you so probably just sitting... do look like them, but your mama jeans don't play. <laughs> your mama jeans, some heavyweight fighters, they going to come through in the end. <laughs> Good thing she gorgeous. This, this is true. This she is true. Is. They do be fighting. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, it, w- it was fun to sit there and, feel that and sit in it. And so now I had this little family tree from my father's side that is um, pretty cool. And I'll 
cherish it forever. Oh, I love that. Okay, so let's share five tips for finding your family tree. And I'm talking to me too, because I'm going to do this one day. Number one, start with the relatives that live closest to you or can be easily reached by phone. Bonus points if they're old. Grab a notebook (laughs) (laughs) or online database like Ancestry.com and ask questions. Where their memory is fuzzy or uncertain, put a pin in it and ask another relative to help you decipher the clues, fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. So that's like what you did with your aunt. This is your first aunt or great aunt? Uh, My, you mean the woman I met here? Yeah. That's a cousin. My father's cousin. Okay. Okay. So you were able to talk to her about, well, you had the documented family tree. Yep. And then you were able to reach out and put faces and people with the names yep. on that mm-hmm. tree. So yep. cool. Yep. And and actually her mom, which was my grandfather's um, sister, yeah. died last year. Oh. So you just missed her by a yeah, few months. I just, I just missed her. But she yep. no doubt had photos and you were able to see her. Yeah, in that I, have, I have photos now, which I, I've never had before. <sighs> I don't know why this makes me feel feelings. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know a, why it matters so much, but it do, right? Yeah, it <laughs> that matters. That is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two, with the owner's permission, um, dig through family Bibles, albums, and attics for photos and clues. Now, with a lot of people, a lot of Black Americans whose families originate from the South and were likely part of that great migration, Um, A lot of our history might be in the family Bible. There might be last names there. Even in Kindred, the book we did last uh, week, she found Alice, who was her ancestry. That name was always in the family Bible. That might be the point of reference. Um, And then, too, sometimes municipal services don't keep good records, no matter who you are or what your ethnic background is. So it can be hard to connect the dots. Um, but usually the the records the family keeps tells a broader story. So look through those Bibles with the owner's permission again, um, albums and dig through those. Everybody got like a um, the container, plastic container full of pictures. Me. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> dig through them. <laughs> hey, Grandma, I'm here to dig through your stuff. What? Okay, then. Let's just start digging. It's fine. We've actually designated someone in our family to do that. And oh, that's I love my it. Uh, younger sister. She has <laughs> all the... Now, now that when I'm ready to release pictures, I give them to her. Like oh, you hold on to this that. picture um, and you keep them because she likes pictures. We all like pictures, but she likes to keep them. So I, um, mm-hmm. we got a spot now. You heard me, that. L. you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be losing my stuff. Okay. <laughs> Number three, perhaps someone's already started the work on your family tree for you. Um, maybe it's a physical like documentation, like Alexis, um, that someone can give you, or maybe they've already logged into a database like ancestry.com and filled in those spots. Maybe they have blanks that you can fill. So, Mm. you know, maybe look into that. Um, check online genealogy sites with large member databases. And I keep bringing up ancestry.com just because they're so, um, established and their database is huge. That means you're, you'll be able to harvest the most information from sites like that. Number four, get a DNA test. Maybe nationalgeographic.com says, and I quote, when choosing a DNA testing service specifically for ancestry research, look for one again with large database with a large database of people tested as well as free DNA sample storage. Now you did Mm. a DNA test. 
I did. I did. You used 23andMe. Is that right? Nope. I used Ancestry.com. Oh, you did. Mm -hmm. And then what was your breakdown? Oh. And then why did you do it? Was it mostly to find out what countries your family has come from? Uh, I I know. I was looking at family makeup. Oh, yes, okay, okay. Essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Can yeah. I go get the paper real quick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to be prepared for this anyway. Go ahead. I am. I just didn't bring it in this room. So, um, my DNA breakdown was 45% Nigerian, um, 20% Cameroon, Congo, Western Bantu peoples, 13% Mali, 6% Ireland, 5% Benin, Benin and Togo. 3% Sweden, 2% Norway, and then a lot of one percenters. Did you have any feelings invested in that outcome? I, I went around for weeks um, talk, telling people I was Nigerian. Yes, you did. I didn't know if you was going to say it, but y'all, you know how it's that meme of somebody who's like always wearing um, like geisha garb because they've been to Japan once or they studied maybe school in Japan. They studied abroad in Japan. Well, you would think that Alexa studied abroad in Nigeria. It was a week where we was like, what? <laughs> where did you? I mean, it's beautiful, but what are you? Where'd you get these clothes? And also the music you're listening to. This just is a new you. So she was really embracing the numbers on that paper. Gotta ask. (laughs) If it said, now you mentioned some Swedish ancestry. If it said 60% Swedish, were you also going to dress in traditional Swedish attire? Like from, go ahead and listen to Swedish music and eat Swedish food. Think about it. You silent. I'm going to let that silence speak. And then a note from National Geographic that I specifically thought was important to Uh, Given the times we're living in, they say, although DNA results can be helpful in your research, the decision to get tested shouldn't be taken lightly. Tests can reveal family paternity and maternity secrets kept hidden by your ancestors, ancestors or immediate family members. This reminds me of a few articles I read of people like, you know, I'm an only child, but I have 30 siblings. Or people who um, one example comes to mind is from The Cut, which was a podcast, a Gimlet podcast by The New York Times. I think The Cut is a New York Times uh, publication, but they had a great podcast on a family who their little boy was like playing with their friend's little boy. And the friend was like, you know what? Our kids look alike. And they was just joking about how much their kids look alike. Well, apparently they had the same donor. Oop. And then they found like a Facebook group full of all these kids um, that were basically siblings of their child. And then also um, in the Bay Area, there was this girl who um, found out her father uh, wasn't her biological father um, and that her parents used a donor. And in that area, that small area, she found many, many tens and tens and tens of siblings whose lives were interconnected. Wow. I say all this to say you might be dating your cousin (laughs) or worse. So just make sure you prepare for all the family secrets to be unfolded. And then, you know, write us because we about books and drama. Okay, And then (laughs) lastly, remember Facebook? Me neither. Uh, But mm. if you feel comfortable doing so, if you feel comfortable doing so, 
perhaps start conversations with potential family members online. They may help to fill in the clues um, and the blanks that you you've created through this process. So maybe you have an interesting uh, last name or more unique last name and can connect more easily with uh, potential family members via social media. Be very careful. But, you know, yeah. And that's that. Any tips you'd like to share since you have a you've actually done the work? Well, um, what I can say, um, people have gotten, um, I want to say bad test results from Ancestry. Yes. Incorrect test results. Incorrect. from Yeah. From Ancestry.com. So you got to be careful of that. And then it says they're not able to fully. Um, I, I want to say that the, the report is not accurate. They just can't pinpoint um, where you're from. You, you know what I mean? They can they, do more broad, broader geographical locations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there is one out there that's supposed to be able to take you right on to your tribe. And I think it's called AfricanAncestry.com. Um, that's another one that's out there. So that's for, um, you know, people of African descent. Okay. Yeah, I did read an article. A girl was like, I took three genealogy tests, Ancestry.com, 23andMe, and there was one more and they all came back different. So a grain of salt. But, yep. you know, if you take yep. if you take these tips in order, starting with your immediate family members, that'll be a better path to go on. Yeah. And then using gene- genealogy uh, databases is like a supplement to that uh, more mm-hmm. entailed Oral research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, you ready to take a break and move on to our book, White Like Her? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Them breaks be really quick. I don't know what you be doing, girl. I don't know. <laughs> Alexis, can you please give us some context and insight, some background on Gail uh, Lukasik? Is that her last name? I'm going to say Lukasik. Okay, please let us know who she was. Why did she do this? Okay, so Gail was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Born white. Do you hear me? She was born white. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she was. She grew up in a um, suburb of Ohio, Parma. It's called. And her mother was an avid moviegoer. Um, they used to go to the movies every Friday, and um, she fell in love with stories of all kinds. Her dream was to be a movie star, a ballerina, and a writer. Well, she got to do a couple things. Um, she was a member of the Cleveland Ballet. And she wrote four mystery novels, a memoir, a book of poetry, and then numerous poems, essays, and short stories, though she was never a movie star. (laughs) She's in the Chicago area, and she's worked with some theater groups with dancing and singing um, and acting productions as well. Her, um, let's see. Okay, so Gail earned her MA and her PhD later in life, like in her... um, um, 30s and early 40s uh, and she had an English major with a specialization in writing poetry. She taught writing and literature classes at UIC and she also managed the internship program and the nonfiction writing program and is that at that time that she became hooked on um, female detective novels. So one day 
her son said to her, mom, you're always reading mysteries. Why don't you write one? And her first attempt was destroying angels. And it was a riveting debut thriller. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. Um, and then she started a series um, <clears throat> under the name Lay Gerard. That's the detective in her book. And so she made a few books um, based on that. Oh, uh, White Like Her is inspired by her appearances on the PBS Genealogy Roadshow and the discovery of her lost New Orleans family. Have you ever seen the Genealogy Roadshow? I feel like I have maybe once just kind of and, you know, flicking through channels. And one day I I watched an episode, but I haven't seen anything recently. I never even heard of it. I'm going to look into it. It sounds interesting. Yeah, that's PBS for you. Great stuff. That. Well, thank you for that. The lowdown on Gail. Um, can you also please give us a synopsis of the book without any spoilers? OK, Gail Lukasik is intrigued by her mother's family history and decides to do her own research. She finds that her grandfather, Azamar Frederick, is designated as colored on the 1900 census. Learning this, learning this story makes Gail question her mother's identity as well as her own. Kari, Mm -hmm. what were your first thoughts? What's the big deal? My first thought was, if you are Scandinavian, 60%, um, and you learn that you got 30% Irish blood in you, do you write a book? (laughs) Do you go, oh my goodness, my identity has been turned upside down and I must tell the world. (laughs) However, (laughs) so I was not excited about reading this. I felt it was like much to do about nothing. You're never excited about reading my books. Oh, that's not true. And I was basically offended by the whole premise of the, the fact that this book exists offended me. (laughs) However, however, as I started reading and started putting myself in Gail's um, shoes with the context of uh, the uh, insanity of um, American racial hierarchy, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then the story changes. We just said, you know, what if you found out when you got your DNA test back that 60% of your ancestry is Swedish. I love Sweden. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I would be, it it would make me, it would make me have feelings. (laughs) It would make me have feelings. Yeah. And that has less to do about where you come from and more to do about the racial um, hierarchy that you live in, the cultural, um, the cultural climate that we live in. Yeah. Uh, So this book was, it made me ask a lot of personal questions I probably haven't asked myself and reevaluate some of my views and clean some things up in my mind. So uh, that was my first thoughts. What about you? What were your first thoughts of White Like Her? Well, I've always been um, interested in passing ever since I watched Imitation of Life. So, um, girl, this- don't get me started. I don't know what <laughs> version you re- you watched, but that book, that movie, um, he was almost white. I said, turn this mess off. I was six. I said, I, I stood up and said, I don't know what y'all think y'all showing me up in here. Listen. But I got to go first, learn how to read, and then find the autobiography of Malcolm X just to get this out of my mouth, the, the bad taste out of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> I saw a video clip of her um, 
I saw a video clip of her being interviewed and in the interview, she met her other family from um, New Orleans. So I wanted to read about read the book. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for all of that background, the synopsis and your first thoughts. Can you please, are you ready for the meat and potatoes of this show? A deep dive with spoilers into White Like Her. Take it away, Alexis. Part one. <laughs> Gail's mother, Alvira Frederick Kalina, was a beautiful woman with warm olive skin, dark brown eyes, deep dimples, and a Roman nose. Her mother was meticulous about her makeup and her housekeeping, and she loved going to the movies. Her mother was prone to fits of depression, and her mother would tell her stories about um, some stories about her time in New Orleans, okay, where she grew up. Okay, so some facts about her. She was very beautiful. Yeah. And so one story she recalls her mother telling her is of an old black woman who was walking down the street carrying packages and she was knocked off the sidewalk because she didn't move as a white man was walking towards her. He shouted at her, get out of my way, and then called her the N-word. She was telling Gail this. Um, Gail felt like she was her mother was telling her this so that she would know what it was like to live as a black woman in New Orleans. Gail desired to know more about her mother's family history because she was kind of tight-lipped about it. She, um, when Gail would ask, yeah, her mom was tight-lipped about it. And when Gail would ask her mom about uh, her father, her mother would say, um, she would ask her mom, oh, is there a picture of uh, my dad, of your father? And her mom would say, no, we didn't have one. And Gail would say, well, why? She said, I just don't. Okay, stop asking me, little kid. (laughs) You know, pretty much. That's what she would say. So she only had um, photos of her mother, Camille, and her mother's or her sister, Shirley, and a few cousins. So Gail would ask her mom about, let's go to New Orleans. Let's let's learn about your history. Take a trip and you can show me where you grew up. And her mom would say, ah, it depresses me to go home. Hmm. And that's it. That's what our mother would tell her. So Gail, um, in 1995, decided she wanted to visit, find out a little bit more about her grandfather, Azamar Frederick. So she visited the Family History Center to look up information. And so, again, her mother's conversation about her father was always very vague and unsure. She wasn't even sure when her father died. She said maybe in the 50s. I don't know. But she also insisted that she was French and not German. And she took pride in her French heritage. So not a lot of information for her to go on. So she goes to this uh, family history center and just starts looking. Okay, she starts. She works with the census um, information, the census rolls. Mm -hmm. And what Gail learned was that Asimov's father was uh, Leon Frederick and his mother was Celeste Gerard Frederick. Azamar was the youngest of five children, Louise, Leon, Leonie, and Estelle. His grandfather was Albert Gerard. And as she was looking through the census record, Gail came across a grid and she stopped when she saw the letter B. And when she noticed the category, it was the category for race. So she questioned herself, why would the census make her grandfather black? Was he black? That must be a mistake. 
Okay. Uh, your tone, by the way, is implying some things, but I'm going to let you cook. Go ahead. Oh, no. What? So, is he black? Is he, is he, is my, was my father, was my grandfather black? Now, this woman from Cleveland, and look how Alexis got her sounding. Go ahead. Stop it. This is just me retelling the story, okay? <laughs> Cherry, don't insert. Go ahead. Uh huh. She knew her mother's family wasn't black because she knows her mother to be a white woman. So Gail searched the 1930s census and there she found a racial, racial designation for her grandfather with a W. Now, how could he be black in the 1900s and then white in the 1930s? Because race is a social construct. Mm, yeah. And she also understood the one drop rule. So she decides she wants to ask the woman that's working at the center, what does B mean? So she says, you know the saying, there's an N-word in every woodshed. And the woman laughed. Mm -hmm. And Gail just kind of looked at her like, okay. You know, things <laughs> were different. Is this a moment we're supposed to be sharing? <laughs> exactly. You on your own, lady. Yeah, she said, <laughs> things were different back then. We used to... um had those candies, you know, like N-word babies. Gail was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, lady. And then she also mentioned um, the one drop was all you needed. You know the saying, N-word in the woodshed. The lady seemed to wait for Gail's reaction. And then all of a sudden she said, oh, you're the one with the slaves in your family. Gail was like, what? Gail was like, this is the most <laughs> offensive librarian I ever met in my life. This is still the library, right? Exactly. My taxes yeah. ain't going for this. <laughs> this is nonsense. <laughs> this is so much nonsense. Mm -hmm. So um, with this newfound information and the interaction with the clerk, this left Gail with many questions. She said when she, she went in a white woman and came out not sure of who she was. Hey, Gail, you still a white woman. OK, go ahead. I repeat, still a white woman. Y'all Google Gail right quick because this is hilarious. I'm not trying to laugh at nobody's story, but you know. But you are. Okay, then I'm sorry. I'll take this out because that's <laughs> absolutely. You know what? Mute the mic. Sometimes you just got to mute Kyrie Mike. Let me do it for you. And... So Gail tells her friend what she found and her friend suggests that she write to the state of Louisiana and request a copy of her mother's birth certificate, her mother's birth certificate. Her friend Linda has just undergone a family revelation herself. When her mother was suffering from Alzheimer's, she blurted out. Now, this is uh, Gail's friend. She blurted out, I should have never adopted you. So, okay. you know, she's feeling some type of way. But she all in on this little messy history that Gail got going. So she said, yes. dig in, dig in. <laughs> so her friend asked if she's, you know, after some time, um, Gail's friend asked, have you told your talking, have you spoken with your mother about what you found out? But Gail was like, nope, I need a little bit more information to approach my mother. That's not a move I want to do. I need to get some more confirmation because this accusation would be so heavy that I will need the, like I'm in a um, courtroom. I need the evidence before this can go to trial. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. There may have been a black in my family. Ooh, mm. So the shock. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of information to bear. So um, <clears throat> I think is I, it though. <laughs> okay. When you white, 
I look I, and I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe this is truly shocking. Well, Gail has already expressed that it's shocking. So it's That's shocking true. to her. She wrote a book about it. Go ahead. <laughs> she wrote a book about it. So so the birth certificate comes, right? Okay. When she's looking at this birth certificate, she learns that her mother, her her mother's, her grandmother is Camille. And she was 16, year, 16 years old when she married her grandfather, which is Azamar. And he was 22. So when she sees her mother's birth certificate, she's listed on there as COL, which is the designation for color. Her Again, mom is. Yeah, her mom is listed. This is her mom's birth certificate. And her mom is listed on the birth certificate as COL. And again, Gail is reminded of the one drop rule. And again, um, it leaves her puzzled. So she decides to write to the state of Louisiana and ask what that designation COL means. She receives a response. The response says the letter COL is an abbreviation for the designation colored. Our records indicate that during the 1920s and perhaps through the 1940s, COL was a term applied to anyone of color, including Native Americans, Blacks, Asians, Hispanics. So Gail is like, okay, well, then maybe my mom is Native American. Then they go on and say the use of the term colored has been ambiguous over time. However, did become more closely associated with the black race. If you consider your genealogy different or more specific to one race, you need to submit a request for change of racial designation. And we will be you'll be required to submit information which shows the preponderance of evidence to support this. And we'll look at it. We'll look at it. No promises, but we'll look at it. That's what the letter says. So Gail is, you know, in shock. And so from her shock, she goes to denial. Her mother's not black. She couldn't be. Her mama looks white. She white. We white. We white. That's what Gail said to herself. And certainly the government has made a mistake. So here now Gail is having a crisis of identity. She grew up white. She's always identified herself as a white woman. Is she white still? She yes. doesn't know. <laughs> Gail you know is unsure. Let me mute my mic again. <laughs> Go ahead, Alexis. I ain't going to say much this episode because I'm getting heated and I don't know why. Go ahead. Gail is unsure. Okay. That evening, Gail tells her husband and her husband is like, Let her okay. husband say, Alexis, <laughs> I've always wanted to be with a black chick. And then they have a little laugh. And she goes, am I a black chick? (laughs) Y'all, please Google. (laughs) Please Google Gail Lukasik because this is a white woman with black hair that is unsure if she's a black woman this particular day. And it is throwing me. Okay, go ahead, please. (laughs) This is our society. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So <laughs> if you don't move, you don't move on, Alexis, <laughs> imagine you was to write a book like my mom, my mom's my mom's great grandfather cousin on his daddy's side was from Germany. Am I a white woman? I I just want you to have that moment in your life and I want you to come to me first. I want you to come to me first and go, Kari, am I a white woman so I can go, no, fool. <laughs> you ate. 
put that pen down, Alexis. I got you, girl. You I black. think I should write this book. Girl, don't do it. Don't even do it. And then I'll call your family up and we all just restrain you until the feeling passes. <laughs> <laughs> <Until> the feeling <laughs> passes. <laughs> okay, back to the book. Listen. Gail done got all this information. It's heavy for her. And she then sits on it for two years. She sits on it. In the meantime, her father dies. And that's in 1996. Then she started to understand certain family mysteries. Her husband is blind with blue eyes. Her skin is porcelain white. Her son, Chris, is olive skinned with curly hair and dark eyes. And they would joke that he was switched at birth. Their daughter is a blend of the mother and the father. Her son asked once, why do I look so different than the rest of the family? And she also recalled her mother's affinity for her son. Her mother said, he's the only one that really looks like me. She Mm -hmm. also noticed, recalled some of her mother's peculiarities. She had an aversion to the son. She'd never go out without a hat, claiming she didn't want to get wrinkles. Her being adamant about not returning to New Orleans because it would depress her um, to go home would really risk the discovery of her racial secret, though. In the spring, though, in the spring of 1997, she finally approaches her mom about her birth certificate and the Frederick family's race. Her mom had come to visit her in Chicago. And then after a few days of allowing her mother to settle down, they sit down at the table after lunch and she says to her mother, I've been researching your dad and the census says that he was black. So I requested your birth certificate and it said you were colored. What's up with that? Her mm-hmm. mother said, um, I don't know what birth certificate you looking at, but I'm it's the white. wrong one because mm-hmm. I'm white, white. And then she told her mother, well, well, actually, mom, I like wrote to Louisiana and they were like, well, colored means black. So that means you black. And her mother said, how will I hold my head up with my friends? And her yeah, mother so her made mother's her, like admitting in that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. My friends are going to know that I'm black. Yep. Mm-hmm. And her mother <clears throat> made her promise not to tell anyone until after she died. And her mother didn't even want her to tell her brother. That is Gail's brother. After she arrived, I waited a day or two to let her settle in. My husband had left for work and we had the house to ourselves. After lunch, we sat in the family room with the TV playing in the background. The dog dozed in a rectangle of light near the north-facing windows. My mom looked so comfortable in the oversized green plush chair that I hesitated for a moment, considering what I was about to do. I knew that once I broached the subject of her racial heritage, there would be no turning back. No matter what her response was, our relationship would be different. What we knew about each other would change. I'd waited two years to have this conversation. I took in a deep breath and began. Mom, I have something to ask you. I tried to sound casual as if I were asking her advice on a recipe or a dress style, but inside I felt as if I were 10 years old, anxiety pumping through my body, making me shaky. I've been researching your dad, Asmar, and I found something confusing. I plunged ahead. It said on the 1900 census that he was black. I I thought it might be an error, so I sent away to Louisiana for your birth certificate. I paused, and it said, you're colored. There was a stunned silence into which everything seemed to tumble. Even the TV's drone faded away. 
Her spine went rigid. She gave me that haughty, angry look I recognized too well. Her dark eyes, like arrows, aimed at me. I don't know what birth certificate you were looking at, but mine says I'm white. I couldn't let it go. There was this need to know that overcame the 10-year-old girl who cowered and obeyed her mother out of love and fear. Well, I wrote a letter to the state of Louisiana and asked them what COL meant, and they said it meant black. I don't think it's a mistake. If you'd like to see the letter and your birth certificate, I can go get them. For a long moment, she said nothing. I watched her fingers curl on the chair arms and her shoulders bunch protectively. She seemed to be shrinking into herself. There was a catch in her throat when she said, how will I hold my head up with my friends? The pleading in her voice caught me off guard. I'd heard her. Mom, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I think it's a good thing. You can't tell anyone. Promise me, you can't tell anyone in the family until after I die. She sounded desperate, cornered. Her voice was tinged with fear and shame. What about my brother? I thought he should know. It was his heritage too. Not even him. Promise me. It was a promise I didn't want to make. A promise I didn't fully understand, but she looked so small in the large chair that seemed to have swallowed her. I won't tell anyone. I promise. Satisfied, she stood and left the room. She would hold her mother's secret for 17 years. Gail did tell her children and her children bragged to their friends about their family's mixed race heritage. They clearly didn't have the same identity issues that Gail had. Her son, who had his Ph.D. in English, started tracing his grandmother's family back to the 19th century, noting racial designations, a black or mulatto and he kind of fleshed out their family tree and then stockpiled the information. When he did bring it to um, his grandmother on one of the so his solo trips to visit the grandmother in Ohio, he um, she just kind of blew him off and would change the subject. But ultimately, they just kind of let it let it go. Part two, her mother, Gail's mother refused to talk about her racial heritage, but she was occasionally mail Gail pictures. Gail had been asking for photographs of her grandmother, Camille Frederick um, Romero, so her mom sent her one. It was a black and white from 1951 at the Safari Room in Algiers, Louisiana. In the picture was Camille, her sister Mickey, and Mickey's daughter Rhea, and her husband, Charles. Her mother didn't add any additional information with the picture. She just sent it to her. In 2012, Gail was teaching writing workshops and would use the photograph as a writing prompt. So while students were intrigued by the photo, they'd make comments about it. After they finished writing, one student asked about the people in the photo and who, who they were to Gail. Gail explained to the student that these were this was like cousins or something. And then the student seemed to want more information. So she asked, is your family Creole? Your family looks Creole. Gail is like, wait, what? Gail called her nosy in her in her mind. Like, what does where does nosy student get off asking me if my family Creole? To me, the question was crazy innocent. <laughs> I think so, too. But Gail is like she I'm like, am I wrong? Because why is she calling her nosy? Girl, the, the <laughs> subtext is where the, the drama is in this book. Go mm -hmm. ahead. So, Can't even get my words out. I got to <laughs> mute my mic again. <laughs> but she responded. Um, they were cousins from marriage. So she didn't really know. But Gail didn't even know what Creole was or what it looked like. 
So, but it may get one. Beyonce tried to tell y'all y'all got mad. Go ahead. Hello. <laughs> I, got, I got a friend that has uh, Creole heritage also. So mm-hmm. it also made Gail feel like she was being called out. She felt like she was being judged unkindly, that she would be judged unkindly and possibly um, her writing accomplished and educational pedigree would be questioned if word got out that she had black heritage. She wasn't ready to share her bloodline with strangers, and she felt like her mother's vow was kind of taking a toll on her. It was holding her back from expressing herself and making her uncomfortable with her knowledge. So let's talk about Creole. There's a lot of information out there about Creole. So most scholars agree that the term comes from the Spanish and the Portuguese or Portuguese word Creole. And it means created in America, in the new world, as opposed to being created or born in Europe. The Harvard um, Encyclopedia of Ethnic Groups explains that the word Creole refers not only to people, but also to culture, food, music, and language. When referring to people in Louisiana, it said that in the U.S. in the 20th century, Creole often refers to Louisiana Creoles of color, ranging in appearance from mulattoes to European whites. And Creoles live in New Orleans and in a number of bayou towns. And many have passed into white groups in other parts of the country and others have become integrated into as blacks. And they say the latter choice is not based wholly on appearance for many of the Creoles who choose to identify as Afro-Americans are white in appearance. So Louisiana enacted um, a formula for race in 1970 and it was enforced until 1984. And it read that in signifying a race, a person having one thirty-second or less of Negro blood should not Child. be deemed, described, or designated by any public official in the state of Louisiana as colored, mulatto, a black, a Negro, a griff, an Afro-American, a quadroon, a matizo, a colored person, or person of color. With that definition... In mind and the time period, Gail would be designated as black, a colored, a colored person, a person of color. Gail would be considered a Negro. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what it said, okay? Mm -hmm. That's what Gail would be feeling like. Part three. A year before her mother's death, Gail asked her mom if she had any regrets, hoping she'd talk about her racial past. She said, there are some things I'd wish I'd done differently. When asked what things, her mom said, oh, just things. Just things, girl. Yeah. Gail didn't want to push this because she remembered her mother's initial reaction and she didn't want to bring this up. She didn't want to have this... um, Bad conversation honking over her while her mom is and is dying, essentially. She didn't want to anger her mother either. Some month, months after her mother's death, Gail's husband saw an announcement in a genealogical section of the library newspaper. And it said the genealogy road show was looking for family stories. And he said, you might want to tell him about your grandfather. Gail was like, why? He's like, they might want to know. 
Well, Gail had already decided she wanted to look into it when she heard they were doing research in Louisiana. She had recently discovered on Ancestry.com that a Leon Frederick Sr., who may or may not have been her great-great-grandfather, was a private in the Louisiana Native Guards, a black troop who served during the Civil War. So she filled out the online application, but kind of paused at the question, what is your story and why is it important to you to find out now? Well, Gail thought, and she said, I'm a mystery author who's never been able to solve a family mystery about my maternal grandfather, Azamar Frederick from New, New Orleans. And she told them how her mother swore her to secrecy and it's a secret she's kept for 17 years. So two days later, she received a voicemail from Genealogy Roadshow. They wanted to set up a Skype interview. Then um, they wanted to set up a Skype interview to see if she would fit their uh, show. Uh, She would fit in as a guest on their show. So as I mentioned, she had requested this information about Leon Frederick. And she also got this information confirmed back from the amateur military expert from Mississippi that had the Louisiana guard information. And so she was, while she was learning that she could possibly be a guest on the show and they could follow her story. She also learned that her, who we think to be her great, great grandfather, Leon Frederick was in fact part of the Louisiana Naval native guards. And he was a free man of color and a free man of color is a mixed race person. And they're primarily in the New Orleans area. So two weeks after she received the call from the genealogy roadshow, they said they wanted her for the show. She didn't expect it, but they wanted to come to her house and film for a day to kind of create a story to tell to the audience. So she was a little surprised by that. When the show actually airs in January, she's surprised by how little of the interview they actually use and how the family story is edited and fashioned into a narrative that she hadn't intended, but it leads to some unexpected results that would change her life. From the show, Gail loans that on the 1940 census, her mother is listed as NEG for Negro. And that on the 1910 census, her grandmother, Camille, is designated as MU for mulatto. Gail wasn't at all questioning her grandmother's heritage. And now she's got this new piece of information to question. So in the 1920s, Eugenics was the movement. It was flourishing and there was this fanatic desire to preserve and improve the dominant white race. Um, So laws were created to ban interracial marriage between whites and anyone with a trace of black blood. This led to the legalization of the one drop rule, which defined as it defined a white person as one with no trace of other blood. This was to stop the many thousands of white Negroes who were quietly and persistently passing over the line. Visible. Yeah, no trace of any African blood specifically. Yeah. You could be from anywhere else in the world. Visible. But yeah. Visible whiteness. If you just looked white, that wasn't to be wasn't trusted. Enough. Yeah. If there was any reasonable um, suspicion, they could just dis- 
um, if there was any reasonable suspicion that there was a drop of Negro blood in you, they could stop the licensing process until you provided satisfactory proof that you were a pure white person. And then everything was kind of in jeopardy, your social standing, your everything. property, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you look white. Yeah. And you look <laughs> white. Yeah. 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 In the 1930 census, the category mulatto was removed. And that was a designation her grandmother, Camille, along with her mother, her father and sister were all assigned in 1910. So now you you only once that designation is removed, you either black or you white. There's no room for mixed race people. It essentially erases um, mixed race people's identities. And no, without a doubt, you either black or you white. That's it. So her grandfather, Asimar, was able to pass for black in 1918, but in a 1940 census, his race was designated as black. While there's no pictures of Asimar. So he was able to pass for white. Oh, right. Sorry. But then in the census, yeah, he was was designated as black. black. Mm -hmm. So there's no pictures of him. And her mother died white, but her grandfather died black. That's a lot nonsensical arbitrary absolutely because it's also very subjective mm-hmm. so gail decides that she wants to write to her mother's first cousin eula Murray. now eula is a mixed race woman who could pass for white and gail's never met eula and she's never spoken with her before but Gail found that eula's forthrightness was very contrary to her mother's secretiveness she never, um, Eula never hid her mixed race. And she also married a man that was darker than her. Eula was very connected to um, the black people in her life. And um, she had opportunity. She she did pass. She lived her life passing because that was available to her. Um, but when given the opportunity to go to school as a white person, she passed on that because she felt like she would have to, she knew she would have to give up her black family, family connection. And her she did whole not family. Mm-hmm. And she chose not to do that. Yeah. So her employer was going to send her to college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he thought she was white and, and she was really smart. Yeah. So Gail thinks back to when her mother would tell the story of being kidnapped. She would, Gail was kidnapped from her father as, as a six year old. Mm-hmm. And she never saw her father again. She mentioned that. I mean, kidnapped by the mom. <laughs> yeah. Like literally but. she was in the car, her mom and her sister was in the car and they ran into the house while the dad and his current wife new was sleeping, wife. <laughs> new wife was sleeping yeah. and took the children out of the house and drove away. Yeah. That ha- that happened to Gail. Gail, uh, not no, this Gail. was Gail's mom. Gail's mom. That happened to Gail's mom. <laughs> She never saw her father again. Gail's mom never saw her father again. Her mother would eventually be raised by her grandmother, who was Mary Brown Williams. Now, Mary Brown Williams, according to Eula, was Choctaw. She was a dark-skinned Choctaw woman. But Gail said that this was a half-truth passed down through the family. (laughs) Okay. 
That's what Gail said, okay? That's what Gail said. I, I remember. That's what she said. <laughs> anyway, Gail learned some other information <laughs> about Leon Frederick, who was her great-grandfather. She did get confirmation that that was her great-grandfather from like 163 pages of genealogical documents that the Rose Show producers gave her. Leon was described as having black eyes, black hair, fair complexion, and he was five six. Five six. Gail said that could be describing her mother besides the gender. His fair complexion gave him a higher status in the cat color cast system and allow him to participate in the war. Because if you were lighter, you wouldn't intimidate the white, um, the other civilians, the white, um, the other white soldiers in the military. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And the civilians so were better. really intimidated with, um, with the idea of free black people with with weapons. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So they so, needed you yeah. to be lighter, so you kind of take that off Mm. you don't put that on the white people yeah so was she um (laughs) go ahead go ahead i'm almost finished really i am because i'm gonna cut to the chase very you're doing great sweetie okay (laughs) she also learned that leon frederick was part of the african-american civil war memorial in washington and his name was on a plaque so she tried to use this information like oh look you've got great family history by a one of your family members of color. You should be proud of this. She was going to use that. She shared that with her mother in hopes that it would allow her mom to open up. But her mom was like, okay, so can we talk about dinner tonight? And that's what they did. She moved on. She shared no more <laughs> details about that. Yeah. Yeah. So Gail eventually follows her family history to Urson Fredericks. And, and I mentioned earlier that Gail's mother insisted they were French and not German, but Gail finds out that there is some German blood in her roots as well as French heritage and that many of the white men in her family were involved with free women of color. Again, that's mixed race um, people as well as slaves. That's a lot that of the white men were. And is specific free man of color, free woman of color. Like you said, that's specific to New Orleans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the that community of people is so small. It's like everybody knows everybody. The um, Creos, the free woman, free person of color was like the initial designation. And then I think eventually it became uh, Jack Creole. and Jill. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to leave Jack so, and Jill alone. Go ahead, go ahead. So it's like these two degrees of separation and everybody knows everybody. And a lot of the people within that community would uh, marry each other. Yeah. The, Keep the, the blood yeah. like, yep. yeah, yeah, without being white and bright. Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> so Gail tells this little story where her, where she's having a, like a intimate party with her friends. Now she's got a lot more information about her family. Um, heritage she knows she's got this um black blood running through her veins she is she knows i think that she's seven to nine percent african-american and um so she's at this party and one of her friends asks about how the book project is going on because book girl's gonna write a book and she says you know kind of cracking the whip then she makes a whoop sound and her friend responds, well, you should be used to that. You it should be sense. used to that. This is a joke because you are one millionth of African descent. 
So we going to make slave jokes now at your expense. And then she was like, man, that's why my mama never said anything. And she was offended. Like, hey, as a black woman, I didn't appreciate this. (laughs) (laughs) She said, see, this is what happens. Your friends start to see you differently. Or your friends are terrible. And now you can see them for who they really are. (laughs) Maybe everyone should just claim to be black just to see see. who really they be with. You see know. where your people stand. See, yeah, I think I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm black. Okay. Girl, I'd have never guessed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the next time she sees this friend, the friend apologizes. She said, oh, I, girl, I had too much to drink. <laughs> and the racist <laughs> jumped out. The wine went in and the racist jumped out. Okay, girl. Was like, she was appalled by what she says, but now she see her friend differently. Mm-hmm. Mm. Me too, Gail. Now she know. Mm-hmm. At this point, Gail has pretty much summed up, figured out her racial, um, her racial heritage. Uh, she learns about uh, Leon's parentage. She learns that she learns about Leon's Frederick's parentage, which is Asimar's Asimar's father. Um, they're all mixed race people and that their fathers before them were white and they were involved with um, free people of color. So she gets to that or she knows the origin of her um, family heritage. So that quest is over for Gail. So she's figured it all out. Mm-hmm. Now, she, part four, she's going public. So once Gail goes public She's receiving a lot of positive response. People are encouraging her to write a book about her mother's genealogy and even a letter from a mixed race person acknowledging understanding of her mother's decision to pass. So yeah, she's receiving the mixed a lot race of woman, feedback. Yeah, mm-hmm. the mixed race woman who wrote Gail was like, you know, I've, I'm so I have so many uh, white features that the black community has never really accepted me. And although I'm not passing, I see why your mother would. Because Mm -hmm. why not slip into that society that's treated better, you know, in your universe? Why not? Why not? (laughs) Especially if you're not accepted in the black community. Yeah. Yeah. And this allows um, Gail to kind of opens her eyes a little bit more to understanding why her mother did what she did. Yeah. So she replies to every um, email or mail letter she receives, except for the negative. And it's Gail, like two of them. Yeah, just a couple. Yeah. Lot, she got a lot of positive response. Some people Gail, are like, you know, your mama wouldn't want you revealing this terrible, terrible dark secret. <laughs> so, yeah. So Gail would later, Gail would later start to give presentations about her story. And at one presentation, a woman asked her, what are you? Again, mm-hmm. Gail is feeling some type of way when people be asking, what are you? Listen, stop it. Stop asking Gail that because she don't know. Okay. And the woman, but <laughs> thank you. This was the thing. That's why that question bothered her so much in the context of you speaking on a paper you've written um, or a book you've written. And the context is completely centered around race. It is perfectly fine to ask, well, then how do you identify yourself? And this yeah. woman asking was Jewish. It really put Gail off. Gail felt like, well, what is your inner issue that makes you ask this question? And that showed me, oh, Gail, you still 
you still are fighting with this. Like, yeah, because and maybe the woman was out of line. I wasn't there. But just from what I'm reading in the book, what are you? Is a terrible question to ask outside of this context, but in this room, but this is what we're talking this about. Conversation, this is all we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. Hey, so what are you? <laughs> exactly. That's What's the all. outcome? What's the outcome? What's the outcome of mm-hmm. all of your research? How do how did it affect how you identify you? Yep. 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 So Gail didn't expect this question. Like I said, Gail was like, again, with the nosy people all in my business. <laughs> this is how Gail is feeling, okay? But Where she did y'all, learned. who even invited y'all? I did. <laughs> I invited y'all here to talk about what? Race? Exactly. To talk about my race? Exactly. Oh, uh-uh. y'all have crossed the line. <laughs> okay, so Gail. she learned, over time, she learned to find the words to say and not be so... Um, hey, Gail. I am a white woman. (laughs) Um, My ancestry includes people from Africa, Germany, France, also Creoles from the Louisiana Crescent area. It is a rich heritage that I am proud of. Period. That's all, girl. That's it. It's very simple. It's very simple. So the first time she's like telling this story to a racially mixed group, including um, two African-American women in the presentation, she includes the reading of the woman's letter who says she battled with colorism. And one of the people in the audience says, is that still a thing? Do people still pass? And one of the attendees raised their hand, speaks sorry, up and Gail says. Gail was like, the, the audience member was like, well, you know, people don't have to pass today. You know, that that's not happening anymore. And Gail was like, well, yeah, of course it's not happening anymore. Oh, that's right. She did say that. <laughs> Correct. Because she don't know. Because she don't know. And that's fine. <laughs> that's completely wait, fine. Here's why. Because Gail is white. <laughs> Anyway, but don't tell Gail. <laughs> the audience, and we gonna member? put some respect on your name, uh, Mrs. Uh, Lukasic. I want you to know, Lukasic. We gonna put some respect on your name. So these are just jokes. We gonna get these jokes off, but we gonna put some respect on your name. Okay, that's right. That's right. So uh, <laughs> the one attendee was a black woman. She speaks up and she said, "Yep, my grandmother was shot because she was passing." Okay. So passing happens, okay? Get into it. These things do happen. Three days after the show premiered, Gail receives a letter, an email from Stephanie Frederick. Guess what? Stephanie Frederick is family. Family from Azamar Frederick. Yes, that other family. When the children were kidnapped, Azamar went on with his life and created whole new children's. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Stephanie says Azamar was her father. And several other family members of Azamar also reach out to Gail. So yeah. they decide to connect. So the family has a reunion. I think they're in New Orleans. I don't remember. But she she meets this family. No, one was like in Pittsburgh. And- yeah. Uh-huh. They kind of get an impromptu family reunion together to meet Gail and to introduce her to everybody. She gets to see her grandfather's side of the family, you know, what they look like. And and, um, one of the cousins brings out a picture and asks Gail, who are the women 
the people and the children in See, this picture. So they have holes in their story they're trying to fill and she has the answers. Yeah. She has holes in her story she's trying to fill and they have the answers. This is really beautiful, actually. I'm disappointed that I still don't have a photograph of my grandfather. The missing photograph that started this quest so many years ago is still not found. But then I look at my two aunts and one uncle and realize that this is what I was meant to find. I glance around at the other tables, at the cousins. We are every shade from darkest ebony to whitest white and all the shades in between. This is what my quest was leading me to. Not a photograph of my grandfather, Ozimar Frederick, but his other family. After we eat, Ozimar King comes over to our table holding an 8x10 black and white photograph. Cousin Gail, he says, maybe you can help us. We were looking at this photograph last night of my mother and my brothers, but there's this other woman with kids in the photograph and no one knew who she was. He places the photograph on the table in front of me. I can hardly believe what I'm looking at. The sight of the woman and her children hits me hard. I blink away the tears that threaten to fall. I'm suspended in time, thrown back to my childhood. That's my Aunt Shirley, I say. My mother's sister. And those are her children, Margaret, Tripper, and Tony. I don't tell them what else I know about Aunt Shirley and her children that they're now deceased and that my Aunt Shirley died in a mental hospital bruised and beaten. It is too joyous an evening for sadness. We all stare at the photograph in silence in awe of what the photograph reveals to us. Many years ago, long after my grandfather died and my mother moved north and left her family behind, Aunt Shirley and her half-sister Modesta knew each other. There was once a bond between them. At one time, Ozimar's two families knew each other, but something happened and the families drifted apart, taking their stories with them. Hey, Cousin Gail, Ozimar says, you up for another reunion next year? Sure. Where? Cousin Dale wants to host us in Philly. I catch my husband's eye. I can see he's on board, as I am. Just let me know when and I'll be there. Yeah, this this is a great part right here. And it turns out that it's Aunt Shirley. It's her mother's sister and her children. So that takes our story full circle. Gail's story is complete. The end. Let's take a quick break. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, girl. What did you think of our story? Uh, Would you recommend it? Well, um, I have to say, race has really done a number on us. Mm -hmm. Like a society. um, No one's history or genealogy is superior to anyone else's. Um, But how much of our identity is tied not only to where we come from, but the category society has placed us in. Um, That was a question this book made me ask. So I didn't go into it all um, enthusiastically. And then it gets to be a lot of data kind of in the middle and toward the Mm -hmm. end Mm -hmm. as she's looking to make these connections. Mm -hmm. I felt like that was kind of supplemental information that didn't flow like a story to me. Um, So that was hard for me to get through toward the end of the book until she meets her like distant cousins. Um, And then my interest um, Picked back Peaked up again. Yep. Yeah. Well, I feel the same way. I had that yeah. same experience. I actually fell asleep while she was sharing the data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I get it. I, I understand. It felt like really this is how the sausage is made. And I didn't need to know that. Um, But 
I appreciated Gail's story because it made me ask some questions about myself. Like, because I was so indignant about the fact that we are spending so much time on was this person, this distant relative black instead of, you know, what was their story? Where did they come from? How did they get here? There are more interesting aspects to people's lives outside of the color, the color, the color that, that you find is arbitrary when someone can be born black and die white or born white and die black. (laughs) That shows you it don't matter. It don't even matter. They just choosing letters out of the air. C-O-L, N-E-G, whatever. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. Yep. Um, however, um, I don't want it to come off that my frustration is um, with Gail at all because it's not and it's definitely not with her mom. Context is everything. And I'm not going to judge people who live during a different time. I mean, right. look at Moesha. The classic jokes on that show are cringeworthy. I don't know if you rewatched it, but I don't, I don't think I can do it. And oh, that I was never just like 20 years like ago. Oh, well, wow. Well, girl, now ain't the time to start. Uh-oh, okay? uh-oh. It so, didn't age well, Curry? I don't know. There are just some things where I'll be like clutching my pearls. Like, can you say that? What? <laughs> Why can you think that? So if I'm not going to judge a show that came out 20 years ago, I really ain't going to judge the people that lived decades and decades ago in another world, in a different society. So um, I appreciate it from this book that it made me ask uh, questions about what baggage am I carrying? Um, what parts of my thinking need to be corrected? Why am I, uh, why do I have no interest in getting to know um, the white side of my family, the white people in my family? <laughs> okay. They must exist. Uh-oh. <laughs> the mirror really? tell me that every day. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I'm why, shocked. Why do my fantasies of extending my family tree and meeting distant relatives? Why is it so, so black? Why is it so black? Why? Oh, that's mm. not. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right, Kari. I'm talking to me. So I appreciated that. That shines a light on the aspect of uh, my personality that I need to really uh, probably correct. Yeah. So I've decided not to meet no family. And that's the end of that. <laughs> you what about you, that Put them all aside. All, just get them. <laughs> all of them. I ain't gonna worry about it. <laughs> the fact that it was such an issue for Gail makes me just want to be sure that it's mm. not an issue for me. That Ooh, I wouldn't wow. have to write a book because... <laughs> Someone five generations ago was white. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So would I recommend this book? Probably not. And that's no slight to Gail. I thought her writing was well structured. Um, And I I just don't think this book was for me, but I appreciate the fact that it made me shine a light on what's in my heart Um, because I never want to get to the point where I'm, I, I don't, I don't lie. I don't, there's a lot of questions in the subtext of this book that I wasn't okay with. But mm. it ain't about me. So who cares what I think? Are you, Alexis, what did you <laughs> think of this book? What's your final verdict and would you recommend it? Okay. And I so feel I'm- icky saying this. I feel icky saying this. I mean, maybe I'll recommend it to somebody. I just can't <laughs> think of nobody. Because it's, I, I just, I don't want to be disrespectful at all to the author. So that's my disclaimer. My issue is my issue personally. And it okay. n- sheds no light on the quality of this writing or this book. Alexis, what did you think? Sorry. <laughs> Okay. I, I I will say that the genealogical um piece of this um book 
really bored me, I did not need to go with her down that trail. So like that whole piece can be picked up and pushed over and then combine that in with the beginning and tell a lovely story, you know, just and I tell do it. appreciate that she added story elements that weren't there. Like she even wrote letters from the perspective yeah, of what she thought. ancestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they said something like this and her letters were, I feel like written in the style of that time that that ancestor lived in. So she's obviously a talented writer and I thought the stories were uh, somewhat captivating. So I wouldn't take that out necessarily either. It was this digging through paperwork. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. It's really the genealogical research in this. I like literally fell asleep on that part because I didn't need to be there. And she also has some poetry in the book. She's got like two or three poems that she's written yeah. included in the book. So that's nice. So I did like the story. I enjoyed learning about um, people who have passed and like her cousin Eula. I liked hearing her story. I imagine that had to be very scary to be some in a world where you are not taken for who you are on face value, right? Yeah. A well, there's very a, there's a hard struggle. There's a conversation um, about black people in white spaces um, that it's a feeling and it's um, there are consequences that are hard to explain unless you've been in that position. Well, imagine being um, someone who on paper is listed as Negro in a white world. Yeah. Everything about yourself has to be a secret. Yeah. And nothing about yourself is wrong, but right. you have to act like it is. Exactly. Exactly. I um. So I enjoyed hearing that information. It was, um, for me, it just, you know, I said I wanted to know more about passing and this allowed me, this allowed me a window into that story because she has several stories of people passing um, in this book. And so I did enjoy it and I would recommend it. Um, Minus the genealogical um, information that was included, but I, I would definitely recommend it. Cool. And I wonder if she looked into her French heritage and her German heritage with as much um, anxiousness and enthusiasm as she researched, um, as she as when as as she took into the research of finding who was black and who wasn't. I mean, generations down the line. Exactly. Exactly. And, And what about that? Well, thank you for listening, readers. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like something heavy is in the air. So what are we reading next week, Alexis? Wuthering Heights. Wuthering Heights. We're going to try again with them Bronte sisters. We it better this. be great. <laughs> I think great. I, keep, I keep looking for a Jane Austen book in these Bronte books. I have to end them, please. Not for the once. same. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Sanaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for five our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. Because we love you. We love y'all too. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. Amazing. And until next time... Read Read something. something!